This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. It's May 17th, 1965, and another remarkable event is about to be uncovered by Ariel, Rebecca, and Ali, the Retrospectors. According to the findings of the FBI, the only problematic thing about the lyrics of the song Louie Louie as sung by the 1960s rock band The Kingsmen was not that they were lewd or pornographic, as some members of the public had begun to complain, but simply that they were incomprehensible. That was the official finding of the FBI's more than a year-long investigation, which issued its report on the non-offending song Today in History in 1965. Yeah, and even though they had put their best people in it, they had literally got audio engineers listening to super slowed down versions, combing it for (laughs) obscenity. Some people were still not willing to give up this fight. One of them, Ben F. Wapple, the secretary of the Federal Communications Commission, he questioned whether, and you can, this is a reach, even though unobjectionable lyrics were used in recording the song, there was improper motivation on the part of the singers in making the recorded uh, lyrics so unintelligible as to give rise to reports that they were obscene. Was on some <laughs> level an artist involved in a thing thinking about sex, you could have asked about every piece of art ever made ever. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, this song, so this is... Right? Had been... Um, a growing hit as a result of mainly teenagers and then their parents listening to it at half speed to work mm. out if they could hear an obscenity. And it's one of those weird sort of playground rumours that obviously spread across the entire United States because there is no obscenity in Louie Louie. Well, there's one, we'll come to that. But yeah. there's no deliberate obscenity in the lyrics to Louie Louie. But <laughs> if you played the 45 RPM single at 33 and a third, you could, if your imagination was ripe enough, hear all the offending lines and then go to school and tell your mates and then... It came to the FBI trying to investigate whether this record was obscene or pornographic. Yeah, and I mean, part of the reason why there was room for some interpretation about what the lyrics uh, might or might not have been was, A, because the recording was so bad. You know, on the on the day that it was recorded in 1963, the only microphone available to the singer Jack Ellie was located several feet above him hanging from the ceiling. And he, at the time, was wearing dental braces and his bandmates, who were all gathered around him, were just playing their instruments really, really loudly. And he was also uh, delivering the lyrics in a relatively sort of 
garbled, slurry kind of way. In fact, I've read a bunch of different ways that uh, his uh, lyrical delivery was described as slurry snarl, mushy mouthed, gloriously garbled, legendarily manic, and (laughs) punk squawk, (laughs) all of which are are pretty accurate. And because he's not pronouncing them very well and the recording is quite bad, there was room for people to kind of make up what they thought the lyrics actually were. Yeah, and there are several clues that suggest that they probably weren't scattering the lyrics with obscenities, one of which is the reason that they were actually in the studio in the first place. They were at Northwestern Studios in Portland. They were a Portland-based band. And their manager, who was a DJ called Ken Chase, booked them in specifically to record a demo tape to try and get them a job as a musical act on a summer cruise ship. (laughs) (laughs) Not exactly where you decide to go full Sex Pistols, is it? Full filth and porn, yeah. (laughs) And indeed the song they chose to cover uh, is a 1957 song by the Pharaohs, which was written in an attempt to cash in on the Harry Belafonte Calypso craze. So this was wholesome family entertainment when it was first recorded. It's supposed to be kind of Jamaican patois. This is the thing. There is no question about whether the lyrics are obscene. We know they're not because it's a cover. They are covering a song that was already written and performed. In the Pharaoh's version, Richard Berry sings perfectly audibly. He's putting on a bit of a cheesy Calypso voice, but you can hear what he's saying. So, of course, the lyrics aren't obscene because we know what they are. Yeah. (laughs) It's funny when you read what the FBI were made to investigate (laughs) as the potential lyrics that so many parents had begun to write in about... And they do sound exactly like the sorts of things that school kids the world over are making up as the pretend lyrics that make a song filthy. So it's things like, at night at 10, I lay her again, F you girl all the way, or (laughs) or, I play with my thing, or, you know, the various sort of permutations of that. It's it's just kind of, it's very schoolyard. But commentators have said that the song became a Rorschach test for dirty minds. You know, people were finding what they thought they could see in it based on what they were thinking themselves. And this all came to a head when the father of a teenage girl who'd been playing the song incessantly at home wrote to Robert Kennedy, who was then the Attorney General, to complain about the possible obscenity in the song. That's what prompted the FBI investigation, and we still have the letter. Uh, This land of ours is headed for an extreme state of moral degradation, it says. (laughs) My my daughter brought home a record of Louie Louie, and I, after reading that the record had been banned on the air because it was obscene, proceeded to try to decipher the jumble of words. Like, you know... After having heard there might be filth here, I spent my afternoon trying to hear that filth. The lyrics, it says, are so filthy that I cannot enclose them in this letter. (laughs) I mean, the funny thing is that in the course of their investigation, and you can quite imagine the FBI uh, thinking, what is this one that we're dealing with today? But they did actually take it seriously enough to speak to Richard Berry, who, you know, originally wrote the song, uh, members of the King's Men to ask them what their intention was, and their record company executives. But interestingly, the one person that they never interviewed was the person who actually sang the words, Jack Ellie himself, because he was no longer with the King's Men. They fell apart very quickly after there was a sort of fallout between Jack Ellie and the drummer. He did give interviews uh, later in his life, though, to clarify this. There's one with the Bend Bulletin, in which he said in 1987 about the recording, quote, I stood there and yelled while the whole band was playing, and when it was over, we hated it. 
We thought it was a totally <laughs> non-quality recording. And uh, it's quite interesting because even in the interview with him there, he's depicting this as, like you were saying, amateurish, an accident. You know, mm. it just they hadn't thought about it. The microphone wasn't wired up. They were standing too close. The reason that it resonated with people, and I think if he was being honest, the reason that the record label did release it is because it sounds really cool. Yeah. Like, it created the three-chord garage rock sound like it is the dna you can still hear in the white stripes or the strokes yeah i mean one of the reasons that the band weren't enamored with the recording could be the fact that they had just been playing the song so much already they'd started playing it in shows and they found that audiences love dancing to the you know that repetitive three chord rhythm and the night before the recording they had played it for 90 minutes at a performance (laughs) (laughs) i mean it's just what i think people were just you know almost like trance music people were just enjoying that repetitive melody well one of the ways it became a hit was actually through that continuous repetition in may 1963 there was a dj in boston called woo woo ginsburg who locked himself in the studio and just spun that record for three hours straight on the air and people called the station like what is this what is this they sold twenty thousand copies it's so funny that radio station marathons became a thing that kept being continued down the decades and actually in the early 1980s KALX uh, in Berkeley and KFJC in Los Altos Hills engaged in this Louis Louis marathon battle with each station trying to increase the number of versions that they played, which was eventually won by KFJC's uh, maximum uh, Louis Louis marathon, having played it 823 times in a row over 63 hours. Plus, they had concert performances from both Richard Berry and Jack Ellie, which does seem to be like the, <laughs> the ace card to play it. But despite the extensive airplay and despite the fact that the Kingsmen's debut LP was in the Billboard chart for two and a half years, basically entirely off of the back of this controversy, the song did not reach number one. It was kept off the top spot by Dominique, a French acoustic ditty about Sir Dominic performed by Jean Decker's The Singing Nun. And you have heard it. I thought, what is this song? But when you play it, you have heard it. Have you? Play it. When you play it, you'll hear it because you won't know. I have the same experience. You don't know that it's about Saint Dominic. You don't know that it's being sung by a singing nun. But it is a familiar, I have to say, it was familiar to me. Is it as good as Louis Louis? I doubt it. No, it is Well, you know, when you translate the lyrics from the French, it's full of obscene comments about Saint Dominic. (laughs) (laughs) Well, actually, so the real irony is, despite all of that two-year investigation, as you say... 118-page report. The report to to J. Edgar Hoover on this day, which concludes, quote, because the lyrics of Louis Louis could not be definitively determined in the laboratory examination it was not possible to determine whether this recording is obscene despite all of that there is an F word in here (laughs) Um, which has been revealed perhaps you know in the digital era it's a bit clearer on CD and so on but you can hear 56 seconds in if you're listening carefully the drummer drops his drumstick because it was all recorded in one take and says audibly Um, It's right there in the middle of the song, which is hilarious. What I love about it is, obviously, you know, this is the most popular version of the song these days. So if you are to search, I've just put it into Bing, Louie Louie lyrics, uh, the result that comes up is a transcription of this version, even though it says afterwards, songwriters Richard Berry. And in the official data provided by Music Match, there is a section of the song where it goes, <laughs> Louie Louie, oh no, no, take me where you gotta go. Oh no, Louie Louie, oh baby, take me where you gotta go. Parenthesis, f- exclamation mark. <laughs> now it's officially part of yeah. <laughs> Tomorrow. I didn't realise that the whole thing is essentially like the Blair Witch Project found footage, isn't it? 
Ditch the ads and get a Sunday episode when you join Club Retrospectors. Subscribe now on Apple Podcasts. Part of the ACAST Creator Network. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.